You're listening to an encore presentation of You Bet Your Garden. From the squishy, squashy studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA, it is time for another heartbreaking episode of Chemical Free Horticultural Hijinks, You Bet Your Garden. I'm your host, Mike McGrath. What's up when your squash plants just keel over and die midsummer? On today's show, we'll reveal the weird-looking moth behind this personal tragedy and explain how you can prevent its boring your plants to death. Otherwise, it's a phone call show, cats and kittens. That's right. We're going to take that heap and help of your telecommunicated questions, comments, tips, tricks, suggestions, and memorably magnificent mortifications. So keep your eyes and or ears right here, true believers, because it's all coming up faster than you finally savoring that squash. Right after this. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Welcome to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath, and those of you who are watching our television version of the show notice something a little bit different, don't you? They tore apart my kitchen. They're remodeling it. So now... I'm here in the radio studio where I look very professional, don't you think? And uh, those of you who listen to the podcast or a radio station, you won't notice any difference other than perhaps a slight improvement. All right, so coming up later, we're going to cure your squash vine borer problems. But first, let's get to those phone calls at 888-492-9444. Sharon, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? I am just ducky. Thanks for asking. I would reach over to my Phillies bobblehead as well, because as we tape this show, the Phillies are doing ducky, but I... I hope I just didn't jinx the team. <laughs> All right. Where are you, Cher? Uh, in Clearfield County, central Pennsylvania. Okay. Uh, uh, close to Penn State? Uh, about 34 miles okay. northwest of that. Okay. Very good as the compost flies. All right. What can we do for Sharon in Central Pa? Well, I believe we are located in... Uh, growing zone 5b and we travel quite often to virginia mm-hmm. and have fallen in love with the crepe myrtles in that's that easy. area that's easy to do and and i wondered if we could even make one survive in our area now 5b sounds a little low um for your area, I realize it's it's not Center City, Philly, and it's not Florida. Uh, but uh, what's your average cold stretch in winter at temperature? We have we the lowest we have averaged is around ten to twelve below. Yeah. Okay. But normal normal temperature is usually in the twenties to 
low 30s. Okay. Yeah, not good for gardening outdoors in the winter. All right. No. So here's the straight skinny. Um, I love crepe myrtles, too. They are often abused by homeowners, and there are ven- there are many forms and varieties that these plants take. But one thing is always certain. They're the last things to bloom in your garden. And just as all of the pollinating insects and your psyche preparing for winter and gloom um, needs them, there they are. There's those flowers. Now, first, um, proper care of crepe myrtle, because almost nobody does this. Uh, Crepe myrtle, as I just said, is a very late blooming plant. And when that happens at the end of the season and frost comes, you do the most important thing a gardener can do. Leave it alone. Go inside. Watch the World Series. Anything. Just don't be hurting your poor plants. In the springtime, when the crepe myrtle begins to regrow again, show some nice new green growth, which may be late, so you don't panic about this. That's when you take off, that's when you prune as much as the plant grew the previous year. So, you know, if it put on two feet, you cut it back two feet. Um, You don't cut it to the ground. That information is bad but it lingers out there in books and all sorts of mischievous, bad garden advice givers. Um, Just because it can survive a pruning to the ground doesn't mean that's a good thing to do. Um, Eventually, you wind up with a plant that looks like an elephant's leg uh, with chopsticks coming out the top. So you prune in the spring about two weeks after new growth, and you don't overdo it. And then what you wind up with is not only the best possible blooms, because crepe myrtle does benefit uh, from a spring haircut, but you wind up with the blooms always at the same height for your eye, which is really important with this plant. If you've done the Virginia trip, then you know on the way down, depending on where you're going, whether it's Route 13 or something like that, Some of these crepe myrtles appear to have been planted uh, in the Neanderthal age. They're huge trees. So um, you do want to prune it. You want to prune it at the right time of year. This will also provide frost protection. Uh, A a sure way to kill a crepe myrtle would be to prune it um, in the fall, as soon as the flowers start to fade then you really have a chance to seize defeat from the jaws of victory. But prune it at the right time of year. It's rejuvenating to the plant. And instead of you going to a garden center or a big box store and falling in love with the plant that your eye first catches, you look for varieties that are labeled and listed and known to be cold hardy. There are some crepe myrtle varieties that would not survive in your zone, but there are many crepe myrtle varieties that will, especially if you care for it correctly. You just have to do that little bit of research, 
find the plants that um, are going to do best, pick the color you want, and uh, you, I think you'll be surprised at how easy your success is. Is now this part of summer a good time to plant a tree like that, or would it be better to wait until fall? This is the worst time to plant almost anything except salad greens for the upcoming fall. No, the, the heat of summer, and come on, you know, this summer's been crazy. Um, nobody knows what they're getting day to day. Is it going to be like 55 at night, and you're thinking, we can't turn the heat on, can we? Um, or it's like 105 at 7 a.m., you know, so you can't second-guess all that stuff. But fall is the best time for planting. It allows the plants to get settled in before they go dormant. And it's the time of year where you get your best buys because nurseries don't want to have to carry these things over to the following year. So this is the best time to get a quality plant at a low price. Okay. And oh, one, but, but, one not, question. But, uh, but not install it till September. <laughs> okay. Should it be planted in a protected area because of how cold it can get here? It should not be planted in a low spot on your property because that is where frost collects. Um, other than that, a protected area to me would mean there's old garden walls around it or it's not that far from the house. And the answer to that is yes as well. Anything you can do to not plant it in the wrong place is is going to be important. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. That's, that's very helpful, and I appreciate the time. Oh, I appreciate the call. It's always great to talk about one of my favorite plants. We do enjoy listening to your program. Oh, thank you so much. Good luck to you, and bye-bye. Uh, bye-bye. Say it again. down there and she'd go out in the evenings and pick her a mess of it carry it home and cook it for supper and if she had any leftovers she'd dry it out and smoke it but she did all right
Well, it's time for me to take a little break. We'll be right back with a boring look at a nasty past and more of your fabulous phone calls. Thought I was going to say boring phone calls, didn't you? Well, I fooled you. Anyway, I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Welcome back to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath, and we will tell you all about the dreaded squash vine borer, the moth that looks like some sort of crazy wasp that decimates your zucchini before it can get the size of a baseball bat. So that's coming up. You don't want to miss it. And it's right after more of your fabulous phone calls. Number to call, scratch it and sidewalk chalk on your most expensive wallpaper. 888-492-9444. Scott, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thanks so much, Mike. Oh, thank you, Scott. How you doing, man? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. How's your day been? Um, I'm actually... I'm hoping, I'm hoping against hope I can answer your question, because to <laughs> paraphrase Wilbur from the classic film Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein, I'm having a bad day. <laughs> Everything today has been tough on me. So, Scott, you're going to be a nice guy. You're going to ask an easy question. You're going to throw a blazing 75-mile-an-hour fastball right down the middle of the plate, right? Sounds good. Yeah, I got an easy one coming. Okay. Where are you, Scott? I am in Elkins Park, Pennsylvania. Oh, sure. Um, Where all the Elkins meet. Um, What can we do? What can we do for you? Yeah, so my my question is... um, Many years back, I got I got interested in uh, edible landscaping and and read a little bit about these pawpaws. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided it sounded like a good idea um, since they're they're native to the Appalachia area that I should I should plant some pawpaws. Yep. Um, so I planted two pawpaws, and um, the place that seemed best at that time was uh, was was about six to eight feet off of my home in my front yard um, as both an edible landscape and as an ornamental. Right. My, my concern, as I've uh, thought further about this and as the trees have gotten much larger, is I've noticed that they send out these roots that send up these little shoots, mm-hmm. um, I think commonly known as suckers, and I started to stay up at night thinking about, are these roots going to damage my foundation? Uh-huh. And um, the answer depends, of course, on your foundation. What uh, might the roots be growing under? Um, your actual home, uh, the driveway? So they, they're just next to my home. They're kind of, one of them is sandwiched in between a walkway, a driveway, and my home. Okay. Um, 
so we have a, a stone foundation mm-hmm. and then, you know, a standard standard driveway and walkway. Okay. So um, you are getting fruit? Yeah, beautiful. Huge. Bounty. Excellent. Buckets and buckets. Excellent. There's no yep. smell like that in the world, is there, when you bring that into uh, the there. house? You smell that at Christmas time still. So um, yeah. suckers, um, which is, you know, uh, above ground roots kind of shooting up, they're not a sign of any damaging roots underground. Um, mm. Are these trees mulched with something? They have been. Um, you know, we go through seasons of uh, good good mulch density and then um, seasons of, of fighting the weeds. Oh, okay. Because if you were to over-mulch these trees, that would encourage them to send up these uh, adventurous shoots. So hmm. you, want the, uh, you want the root flare of the tree to be visible. Um, you can put some oh, compost okay. down, but you don't want to ever have anything... Uh, touching the plant itself where it enters the ground because that can cause girdling and uh, girdling can cause shoots to come up. So I'll I'll tell you uh, first that the best way to get rid of the shoots is to snap them off, according to my friend Lee Reich. Um, Uh Pruning them off kind of stimulates some hormonal production that keeps them coming. Mm -hmm. But snapping them off seems to be much more effective. And that sounds great. And again, I'm trying to figure out what what are the two trees closest to um, a sidewalk, the house. They're about the one that I'm probably most concerned about. That's that's in this kind of triangle between the three. Is it's about equidistant from everything. Okay. Um, but let's say, uh, then what is the equidistance? Is it five feet? Probably, yeah, probably around, probably around five to six feet. And you've noticed no true above ground roots or any kind of buckling? No, I haven't noticed that. Um, and I haven't seen anything that's specifically made me concerned. I just started to think, well, there's a lot that happens underground. Uh-huh. I wonder. I wonder if I've set myself up for an issue down the down the line. Well, come on, Scott. Be honest. If it wasn't this, you'd be worried about your car overheating or termites or <laughs> something else. It's That's always true. something. Sure. Um, if if you feel that it the roots are heading towards maybe a water source, maybe a broken pipe or something like that. Um, do you have pipes nearby? Do you have uh, water coming in from the street or drainage pipes leaving the house? Uh, that's a good question. I there Uh-oh, may now, be now he's going to be worried about this, too. Yeah, I know. well, I'm already worried about that. It's an old house, so that's okay. I can deal with that. <laughs> uh, there may be drainage, um, and there, I think there may be a gas line that comes in there. Well, you don't want to be messing with no, gas. Um if no water line. Yeah, if you're uh, if you did have water lines, it's easy to inspect that. They can send down a snake with a um, a camera at the end and look for roots coming into mm-hmm. the pipes. If you see any sign that gives you uh, gives you the uh, uh, just the worries worse than you have them, 
you can just have somebody trench out the area uh, right next to the concrete or whatever, whatever structure it is. These trees can survive with like a third of the roots cut away, although it's not ideal, obviously. Um, I, I wouldn't worry about it, to be honest. If, if, if you don't see any signs of buckling, then don't worry. If you do start to see some signs, then just hire somebody to trench out a, a, a thin line between the root system and the walkway, and that'll kind of divert the roots to the other direction. Okay, okay. All right. And would I be right in thinking that the, um, the walkway is, is probably the first to be impacted rather than the driveway or home? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and um, sounds good. You know, if you're curious, you can do some exploratory trenching, but I wouldn't mess with it. Worry about something okay. else. Social Security. <laughs> how old are you? Is there going to be any money left for you? These <laughs> these are the big ones. These are the big ones. Good. I will not stay awake at night thinking about this. Though. Hey, and enjoy your pawpaws, man. Uh, they are hey. a delicacy. Then, and you know they have a very short shelf life. Mm, they are great. I had never had one before I planted these trees. A tropical custard. Would you agree? The inside. I would agree. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yep. they're amazing, Lovely. and they're really the only two. Uh, native trees that we cultivate for food, the other being the persimmon. Hmm. So, but I think the pawpaws are much more interesting looking. Anyway, don't worry about it. Enjoy your pawpaws. I'm a little bit jealous of that. And um, have a good harvest this year. Hey, thanks so much. Thanks my, for your help. My pleasure. You take care. Two little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs. Little bug, 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 Four nine two nine four four four. Marge, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hi, Mike. Hello, Marge. Thanks Mar for having me. Well, thank you for being had, Marge. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, except for my poor tree. Okay. <laughs> and where is Marge's poor tree? And don't say the backyard or anything like that. Um, <laughs> Lake Winona, Pennsylvania. So not far from Bethlehem. Oh, where, I... I Winona? What? Lake, it's Lake Winona. Yeah. It's near Auburn. It's in Auburn, Pennsylvania, technically. Oh, okay. And near it's a, Hamburg. And yeah. it's, it's a lake where winos go, right? Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> Quite a few. And then they get a burger. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. What can we do for Marge? Yeah. I, I um, was wondering if you had any ideas of what would cause um, 
a pine tree that would be dead in three weeks. And it was a huge pine tree in my yard. Mm -hmm. Um, Literally in three weeks, it turned brown and we're going to have to take it down, I think, because it's it's totally dead. Mm -hmm. And it happened so quickly. So this tree was out there for years before? It was. um, One of the things that, that we did put in was a septic system mm-hmm. so we're wondering and we put that septic system in a year ago right we're, we're trying to figure out what happened maybe it was a septic system or we just don't know we thought maybe you had some good ideas okay do you have a mound or do you have a drain field for your septic um it's a drain field mm-hmm. so um you know we did have a septic tank and then we had to replace it with a drain field okay and where is the tree in relation to the drain field you know, I it's about actually only about fifty feet to hundred feet from the tree. Mm-hmm. Um, but it looked great um, for a year up until three weeks ago, uh, since the septic system. And then we thought, oh, is there kind of spotted lanternflies? I mean, what could have caused it? <laughs> no, no, no. When people get the spotted lanternfly, the tree is just yeah. covered with them. You really can't see the tree anymore. Yeah. And um, I okay. looked. I looked at those images that you sent us, and yes. the bark also appears to have been, for lack of a better word, rotting away in sections. Oh, okay. Um, it's possible. Um, and uh, you, when when um, when did the coroner come by to check on this trait? When was it apparently dead? Um, okay, so. Probably about four weeks ago, we kind of noticed that it was just not looking great. Mm -hmm. And then we went away, actually, for about 10 days. We came back, (laughs) and we looked at it, and we're like, oh, my gosh, it's totally dead. So literally, within a four-week period, yeah, it it just turned brown. And were there heavy rains during that time when you were away? Um. There were, there was quite a bit of rain. They did have some good thunderstorms and things like that. Um, but it's, I mean, this tree has been in that spot for so long and it's so big. But it, yes, but they did have some rain. It's unusual. Um, again, I, you know, I concur that uh, your tree is not merely dead. It's really most sincerely dead. So, yeah. you know, oh, you're going to have to take it down and but I also noticed a lot of healthy plantings right around the thing. We have other pine. Well, I don't know what kind of pine this is. We had other pine trees nearby. Everything else is totally green and healthy except for this tree. There is a house right next to it that it's growing over top of. But that the house has been there also for over twenty years. So, um, yeah, it's just only that tree. Hmm. Well, all I can tell you... And that's what I was worried about. Yeah. I was worried about the other, you know, foliage around it and the other pine trees. Because there was a pine tree blight about 10 years ago in Lake Winona. Um, But this, that's what I was concerned about a little bit, too. Well, anything is possible, especially when you get uh, weather stress like we had this year. Um, It might just have been accidentally in the path of one of the drain pipes and just got um, watered to death, which is very common. Okay. And a lot of the close-ups of the bark lead me to believe 
um, that it set in water for a long time, that it wasn't in a good draining oh, spot. So, but, okay. you, you know, okay. and this is not a game where where everything wins, where everything makes it. You know, that's yeah. that's the right. uh, the heartbreak and joy of gardening. You know, you roll the dice every time you right. put something in the ground. So I would get rid of it and I would replace right. it with something. And this is just wild speculation on my part. But I would replace it with something that's not sensitive to overwatering. Look, look around okay. to see what okay. kind of plants really don't mind wet feet. Because uh, I think, you know, maybe your, um, your disease was hanging around a little bit. But that bark to me is, is a tree that's just been inundated with water and, and can't drain it. Interesting. And is, is it, on, it is on a slope that goes down to the lake. Um, but, yeah. But that, that one of the pipes of the drainage thing does come right out to the end there. So that's interesting. Yeah, a good thought. Yeah, I think that's the culprit. Um, but, you know, don't worry. You, you, you never bat a thousand in gardening unless you unless you put one yeah. plant in the ground and then retire. Yeah, well, good. All right, well, good. I was hoping it wasn't any kind of insects that are going to get the other trees, but no. Keep our fingers crossed that's not it. <laughs> and keep your eyes on them. Keep your eyes on those trees. Look especially at the bark. Okay. If it starts to get distorted like the dead one, um, and then contact okay. your local extension office and see if they know what's going on. Perfect. All righty. Okay. Sounds great. Good luck to you. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks, Mike. We, I love the show. Thank All you. Right. I love doing it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Good. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, it's time for me to take another break and pass along a request I've been getting from wildlife rehabilitation specialists near and far. Do not use sticky tape to try and protect your trees from the dreaded spotter lanternfly because that tape is catching more birds and bats than bugs, and that's a huge boo-hoo. But don't go searching your local state extension website for safer alternatives just yet, because we'll be right back with the basics of borer prevention and more of your fabulous phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. This is 91.3 FM, WLVR Bethlehem, WLVR.org. Welcome back to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden 
from the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I am your host, Mike McGrath, and we are in the stretch now, cats and kittens. In just a little bit, we'll tell you about the weird wasp-like creature that is actually the culprit behind dead zucchini and other vining squash with hollow insides. Well, not insides, hollow vines. Anyway, before I mumble more, let's get to another phone call. 888-492-9444. Katie, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being had, Katie. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I am just ducky. Ducky's having a fabulous show today. <laughs> uh, and where is Katie? I am in Greenville, South Carolina. Oh, okay. Uh, South Carolina. All right. Hot and humid right now. What can we do for Katie yeah, in exactly. South Carolina? Yeah. Well, that's part of the problem. Uh, I was gifted a couple trees and bushes by mm-hmm. my brother and his partner, Ron, who are have a fabulous garden at their home in Nashville, and they had some items left over, and they brought them to me, mm-hmm. very sweet, as a gift, and uh, they're to be planted in my yard, but my yard is a construction zone right now, mm-hmm. um, and so we just stashed the plants on our front porch at the rental house where we're staying. Right. Uh, well, it got really hot mm-hmm. for a few days here, really quick. Like it was up to ninety degrees for a few days. Yeah, that's what and we're no getting. In, that's and... what we're getting in Pennsylvania, <laughs> where there's no excuse. Well, it's pretty typical for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so these, but unfortunately, so this, it will become clear that I am a very amateur gardener, but you are helping me learn. Okay. But in this case, the, the the care of these special trees kind of fell to the bottom of the to-do list. Okay. Let me ask you so how the, special no, let yeah. me ask you how special they are and are they in pots? They're in pots, yes. They're in um, like kind of the disposable type pots you would get as like a garden. Store. Oh made of like peat or something? No, 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 not that type, like plastic. You never throw away plastic. You reuse it until it's invisible. Oh, God. I'll take all your old plastic pots. Okay. So what are the trees? Okay. Another. Okay. So I'm learning. So the ones that are primarily affected are red twig dogwood. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. And that's the big deal. So So listen, uh, dogwoods. Mostly because they were given to me. No, no, no. That's fine. Dogwoods have a very special requirements. Uh, they like a lot of sun in the morning and no sun in the afternoon. So, you know, that's important uh. to know when you're planting them. You have to find a spot where they're going to get afternoon shade or you're going to have to provide the shade artificially. Are they in full sun on your porch? They were, and yes. Were, are they now in the local graveyard? What? <laughs> well, um, well, that's my question. Um, so the leaves started curling up, and that was my cue. Okay, I better water these. I watered them, and nothing happened. Um, okay. So the leaves started turning brown, mm. and it did not look good. Now, since then, as I've um, so I moved them into the shade, and I've been keeping up with them in the watering, and right. I have noticed some new growth. Yeah, 
you did exactly the oh, right I thing. I hope. Yeah, uh, you know, it's a good thing they don't charge for toll calls anymore because you're doing exactly the right thing. Yeah. Uh, keep them in dappled shade and, um, you know, rock the containers. Uh, if the containers feel light, that means they need water. If the container feels super heavy, back off on the water because you don't want to drown them. And I want you to keep them in dappled shade until, in the Carolinas, I'm going to say until Thanksgiving. And then plant them. Yes, uh, because I want all the heat to have broken in your area. It is better to install plants in the fall than in the spring. So there's no harm done, and it's actually going to benefit the plants. But they need shade in the afternoon. So if you don't have that, but you nurse them back to health, give them to somebody else. It's like the, you know, the Christmas mm. fruitcake. Uh, it, it makes many gifts before it's finally tossed. Um, but you're doing exactly right. the right thing. Keep them in dappled shade. Keep up on the watering. And it, wherever they're planted, they like morning sun, but they can't take it in the afternoon. Their leaves turn brown and curl up as you well know. Okay? Got it. Okay, so I have to tell you, I also um, started cutting off some of the brown leaves, good or bad. Well, it's done. <laughs> Don't cut off any more. Do what we said. Uh, light a okay. candle to the Blessed Mother, and all will be well. Okay. <laughs> all right? Great. Thank you so much, Mike. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Take care. Yes, it's inevitable, and it always happens. It is time for the question of the week, which we're calling squash vine borer prevention. Sandy in Villas, New Jersey writes, My yard is small, so I trellis my delicious honey nut squash. I also plant my own saved seeds instead of using purchased plants. And this makes it hard for me to implement your suggestions for using barriers to keep away squash vine borers. I read that planting winter squash after the 4th of July greatly reduces the chance of encountering these bugs, but not why. They didn't explain that. Is late planting a viable alternative to your physical barriers? Do you have any other useful ideas? I love your show and always learn something new. Well, thanks, Sandy, but I doubt your timing trick would work against this evil insect. According to the Pennsylvania State Extension System, the moth that causes this terrible problem overwinters in your soil in a larval state, which they specify is really a pupa. Can you say pupa? Anyway, the adult typically emerges mid to late June and lays her eggs in July and August, although locale and weather can dramatically change those parameters. An unusually warm season could move the egg laying into June in our area. And of course, they're up and out of the ground earlier the further south you garden. In the really deep south, they can even have more than one generation. So let's go through their life cycle. Adults emerge from the soil. They mate, and then the females go looking to deposit their eggs on squash family plants 
that have hollow stems like zucchini and pumpkins right at the soil line. They don't lay their eggs on squash with solid stems, but they will also sometimes lay those eggs on the stems of cucumber plants. The female that causes this damage is a day-flying insect that looks a lot more like a weird wasp than any kind of moth with translucent wings and an orange and black body. <laughs> Pretty easy to spot, especially since they fly by day. Now, once she has sniffed out a good home for her children, she lays a cluster of eggs on the stem of the vine right where it enters the soil. In a week to 10 days, the eggs hatch, teeny tiny caterpillars emerge, immediately eat their way inside the vine, and once they are inside, feed and grow unseen. Soon, your plant starts wilting. So if your squash plants look like they need water, but your other plants don't, get down and look for a hole at the base of the stem and lots of caterpoop around it. Caterpoop? I made up a new word. I made up a new word. We're keeping it. Caterpillar poop. Slit the vine open with a single-edge razor blade, or even better, use an X-Acto knife, a small, sharp, and very precise artist's blade that's positioned at the end of a sturdy metal rod. Great for this kind of close-up work. When you reach the caterpillar inside, well, huh, you got a sharp object in your hand now, don't you? It's get-even time. Then carefully heap soil around the damaged part of the vine. If you caught the problem quick enough, it may recover and keep growing. Now, experienced gardeners typically try and prevent the initial incursion by wrapping medical tape or aluminum foil around the base of their transplants so that the protective covering is half underground and half above. Ah, just think about them little caterpillars trying to bite their way through foil. We all love that feeling on our teeth, don't we? A lovely image, if ever there was one. Now, if Sandy, remember Sandy, were to start her own seeds indoors, she could likewise protect her plants at the time of installation. Otherwise, two good options would be to spray the growing vine at ground level with a weekly dose of BT, the old original organic caterpillar killer. As soon as these miniature munchers bite into a vine that has been sprayed with BT, they lose the ability to eat and soon die. And yes, as we have been assuring you for decades, BT is safe for everything that is not a caterpillar chewing on your plants. Although, in controlled studies, Simply wiping that part of the plant with a clean cloth twice a week worked as well or better than any pesticide, chemical, or organic, as the object was to simply wash the eggs off the vine before they could hatch. Now, the researchers did this with water on a simple cotton cloth, but I'm thinking that a high-powered water pistol would also work here and be much more entertaining. Kind of like a game of whack-a-mole with caterpillar eggs taking the place of the moles. Fun for the entire family. 
I was also thinking of a version of a popular form of cutworm protection. Take an empty soup can with both ends removed and push it a few inches into the soil around the sprout when it emerges. So the emerging leaves will then cover the opening. But no matter what you do, don't plant squash where you've had vine borer issues in the past. Because if undetected, the borers inside your vines will grow fat and strong and drop onto the soil at the end of the season, where they will quickly burrow down to pupate and spend the winter just waiting for nature's cue to begin the process once again. So interrupt this cycle. As soon as a squash plant comes down with advanced symptoms, rip it out and destroy the nasties inside the vine before they can escape. Then cultivate the soil in that spot to uncover any pests you missed before they can get down deep. Hungry birds should then be more than happy to show up and finish the job. You might also want to repeat that cultivation in the spring, just before planting, because that's when birds are extra hungry for such worm-like treats. Well, that sure was some important advice for those of us who never get to actually enjoy the pumpkins and zucchini we planted, now wouldn't it? Luckily, you can read this vital information over at your leisure or your leisure, because the question of the week always appears in print at the Gardens Alive website. Just click the link for the question of the week at our website, which is still and will forever be youbetyourgarden.org. Gardens Alive supports the You Bet Your Garden Question of the Week, and you'll always find the latest question of the week at the Gardens Alive website. Yikes, my producer is threatening to place neon signs that say, Eat it, Mike's, above my squash if I don't get out of this studio. Where are they getting the electricity? Ah, uh, but we are out of time, and you can call us anytime at 888 492 9444, or send us your email, your tired, your poor, your wretched refuse, teeming towards our garden shore at ybyg at wlvt.org. Please, please, please include your location. You'll find all of this contact information, plus answers to hundreds, hundreds of your garden questions. Audio of this show, video of this show, audio and video of old shows, oy, and links to our internationally renowned podcast. It is all at our website, youbetyourgarden.org. You Bet Your Garden is a half-hour public television show, an hour-long public radio show and podcast, all produced and delivered to you weekly by Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Our radio show is distributed by PRX, the public radio exchange. You Bet Your Garden was created by Mike McGrath. Mike McGrath was created when he discovered that the eels he was catching every summer in Philadelphia's Pennypack Park Creek were actually spawned in the far distant 
Sargasso Sea and had to take the 56 trolley all the way to get back to Northeast Philly. Ken Queter plays our theme song. Our chief content officer is Yoni Greenbaum. Our angel of the airways is Christine Dempsey. Our engineer back from the endless vacation is cheerful Charlie Sarah. Our social media director is Amanda Norfleet. Check out her fine work and send her lots of pretty pictures of your garden at the You Bet Your Garden Facebook page. Our peerless princess of profound production is Tavia Minnick. Our audio editor is the lovely Jonas Bowen. Our video editor is judicious Jake Boyer. Replaced this week, just temporarily of course, by the harassed and harried Javier Diaz. Otherwise, it's the usual gang of idiots, which generally includes Eric, Zach the Tack, Carlin, Jacob Morris, and whoever else is hanging around today. What more can we possibly say about our beloved CEO, Grand Poobah, evader of all questions and responsibilities, the one and only Tim Fallon? other that when you pull his string in times of crisis, he recites either, gee, I'm sorry, but that's not my department, or here, have a donut. You'll feel better. I'm your host, Mike McGrath. And despite the odds, weird weather, and escalating attacks of mutated Kryptonian stink bugs, I'll put on my special lead-lined garden gloves. And that way I'll be able to see you again next week. You've been listening to an encore presentation of You Bet Your Garden.